Okay. Yeah, well, well now we, now we yeah, stop. Right, so right, we right, might right. <laughs> okay. Uh, what's up, guys? Uh, John Sintes here, Cutter Nation Podcast, Cass Kreitlow. Eric Post, everybody. Um, Eric, why don't you introduce yourself, uh, let everybody know who you are. Uh, obviously, exercise, science, nutrition, killer jacket, super jealous. Yeah, thank you. And uh, uh, just let everybody know who you are and how, you know, how, what's your story. Sure, yeah, so uh, my name's Eric Post. Uh, I'm an assistant professor here at San Diego State in the School of Exercise, Nutrition, Science, obviously. Uh, my background's in athletic training. Uh, I worked as an athletic trainer uh, in college baseball as a minor league intern. Uh, um, and so now my research has really moved more into youth sports more generally, not just in baseball, but looking at youth sports specialization, what causes kids to specialize, what are kind of the parent and coach factors, and then also what are the consequences in terms of overuse injury. So that's kind of me in a one minute nutshell. So really it's worth sharing because it's a funny story. Um, we were, I met Eric on, uh, we were at the Coronado Beach and we were just yeah. walking and they're from the Midwest, I'm from the Midwest and I just, I don't even know what it was, that Wisconsin hat? Something like that. Well, I think my wife might have been wearing her Mankato sweatshirt or something like that. Okay. I think you brought it up because you were in Mankato for a while. Yeah, yeah, Mankato, exactly. Yeah. So that's really where it started. And so we're just really trying to figure out, um, you know, I think where, where we want to go with this is having a conversation that's more geared towards youth specifically. You know, we work with kids that are eight years old. We work with kids that are 28 years old. Um, and the education with, I always tell this, we don't have to sell our, our college kids or our pro kids on our program. Like they know right when they walk through the door what they're looking at. But what we're seeing with our, our parents and our youth players is like, there's so much information out there and that's great, but it also can be hard to wade through. And so we're looking for like more resources for our parents to be able to make decisions that are a little bit more educated and informed and not just based on our own opinions because that that's only fair to us. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, just bouncing off of that, one thing that I think is important that you guys were talking about when we came in here off camera, but just the idea of having fun, right? For younger kids and playing, right? That's the number one reason research shows that kids play sports and the number one reason they stop playing sports is they start playing because it's fun and they stop playing because it's not fun anymore, right? The second most common reason is they have an injury, so they drop stop playing sports. So with the parents of the younger kids, I think sometimes what we see is the parents are really interested in how they can get their kid better in a sport. And that starts basically from the time that they're picking up a ball in whatever sport it is. Their parents' interest is, how can I make sure my kid is successful in the sport? Where the kid's interest more lies in how can I have fun? How can I hang out with my friends? How can I, you know, I want to get better at this, but I want to do it while I'm... And both of them playing. are right. Right. And yeah. both of them, that's appropriate right. for both of them. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it makes sense that parents want to do that. But the problem with what my research has shown when we get into specialization stuff is when parents start viewing it uh, and coaches and uh, kids start doing things that, you know, are more professionalized at a younger and younger age. So you have, you know, 100 plus competitions in a year for a kid who's eight years old and thrown off the mound you know, as many times as a major leaguer would, then it starts to get in this crazy world where it's like, well, why do we have these, you know, five U travel teams that are, you know, who are these kids competing against? You know, what are they, why are we focusing so much on the sports specific skills from an early age? And that's kind of what my research line has been about, yeah. I, I say all the time, like, if I played six games in a weekend, my arm would fall off. Right. Like, today. Right. If I, this weekend, and, and I, I long tossed yesterday, my arm feels great. Right. And like, if we played six games, I'd be like, we'd get to Sunday and I'd be like, and I'm probably going to pitch one of them. So if you're going to pitch me early and then I'm hanging for five, you're like, please don't put me in right field. Like, yeah. I need a strong first base with a nice roster. Nice should be like 25 arm. people. For yeah. But no, none of the parents will let that happen in the travel ball world because, right. like, you bat 10 and everybody should be a pitcher would be a good strategy. But still, you like, once that guy gets thrown, like, 
like just think about the if we thought about the arm and like a ridiculous video game health meter and right. like the more you use it the, the lower the the health goes like and then we think about how long it takes us to regenerate just to feel 100 percent again right yeah. normally it's three or four days but if i play six games it might be five or six for an eight or nine year old until maybe he builds up the resilience and the thing to go from that but like just the whole strategy of that whole thing is just yeah, and especially it's, like it's wrong. The number know? one risk factor over and over again in the baseball world is fatigue for youth players. You know, if you're throwing when you're tired, you're throwing fatigue. You're at you know, some studies would say yeah, as much as 36 times more likely to sustain an injury, right? So you're in that sixth game over the course of a weekend, and this doesn't just go for baseball either. What I research, you know, I've moved more into um, some youth female sports, and you see the same thing in you know, girls soccer, travel soccer travel volleyball, softball, especially when you have like two pitchers for a team of 16 girls and they're throwing, yeah, eight, nine, 10 games on a weekend and it's just, you know, out of control. Yeah, it's gotta be even crazier for that. I mean, I understand it's more of a natural movement, but what right. about the energy level of being like in Florida where I'm right. on 100 degrees and they're playing eight games? But even, so that, is you it, know, even that on the natural movement thing, that's always something that people say, but like nobody has researched softball at so all. We're just, we're just right. making it up. Yeah, you know, if you think about like what were cavemen doing to take down big game, they weren't throwing at a caveman like that, right? Yeah. They were throwing, you know, they were throwing some sort of rock or javelin I mean, overhand. I've judged a couple stick figures, and it definitely looks like the yeah. arms up in that yeah. nice cock position. Exactly. They probably got right. great layback with right. that spear when they just launch it. So whatever, yeah. yeah, when I hear like baseball's an unnatural throwing motion, I'm like, no, I think it's probably like pretty natural, you know, something yeah. that humans have been doing for a long time. Throwing it off a mound, thousands of repetitions, you know, over the course of a weekend at high velocity is not. But yeah, but that's a softball thing. I don't know, you know, nobody really knows whether that puts more or less stress on the shore. Funny side note, think about how many labrums and uh, UCLs were blown out in the caveman area right. just trying to chuck those rocks and spears. <laughs> like, dude, literally just, all right, I'm left-handed now. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and there's the one guy that figured it out. He's probably the king, and he's just yeah. launching them, you know? Yeah, you had Frank Jones, like, caveman. <laughs> yeah, like, kill yeah. With the Brett Favre in yeah. the caveman area, yeah. just chucking them anyway. Yeah. So is it is it do less, or is it when you're there, like, do it better? You know what I mean? Right. So if you're, yeah. yes, yeah, absolutely. That's the thing is, so doing the specialization stuff, I don't even really like the term sports specialization because it, you know, there's a way to be a single sport baseball athlete and have it be safe, right? Obviously, if you're specialized, it's not like all of a sudden you're gonna fall down and die or your arm's gonna fall off or something, right? It's obviously there's, but everything- Just to clarify. <laughs> everybody. You know, it's okay if your kid specializes, everything is okay, right? But everything kind of can exist on this continuum, right? You have to be in this sweet spot for uh, all things, skill development, but also you need to have some sort of loading so that when you get into a game situation, right, you're not gonna be putting yourself at risk for injury. There's been a lot of research that shows kind of that inverted U, so that in terms of risk, the kids that do very little are at high risk and the kids that do way too much are at high risk, but there's that nice middle ground, right? So it's not always about doing less. And then we'll, we'll hear from parents who are like, well, we know specialization's bad, so instead of specializing, our son plays baseball and they do basketball and then they go to soccer and they do this and that. And it's like, well, their volume then is totally, you know, off the charts in terms of what they're doing. They're doing all these different things and stacking them on top of each other, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not just a matter of play multiple sports or do less, right? It's doing the right things in terms of age-appropriate training and all that. Kind of so thing. if I am that crazy person that, I shouldn't even say crazy, like maybe they're just like super go-getter right. and like right. literally their kid wants to be doing everything and is 
happy to do it. Like then my counter is like, but then the nutrition stuff needs to be there too. Like then this conversation just needs to get so much deeper, right. so much faster. Right. And that isn't there. Like people aren't doing that. And then they're not teaching soft tissue work to like 10 year olds. Right. And is that even appropriate then? Yeah, so it's like, right. can, can we handle this anyway? Well, that's, yeah, that's a, a big question too, is I think, you know, a lot of the youth sports system now is being molded around skill development and sport development, which is good. You know, there's a population that wants that, right? But the big question I always ask too is what happens to all the kids who just want kind of a fun environment without having to get so intense into sports and can't pay into, you know, it's expensive to now we have, you know, coaching and training and nutrition and all these things that we're gonna provide the kids, that's expensive, right? And there's a pop segment of the population that want that and that's totally fine, but there's a huge segment of the population that huge. either wants it and can't afford it or doesn't want that type Huger. of experience. Right? That's that's the people, right. like that's everybody. Yeah. And big leaguers come out of there too. Right, absolutely, yes. <laughs> We, we talk about it all the time. We we have we get ridiculed sometimes for six, seven, eight-year-olds that come in and train with us, and that's the exact conversation that dad gives. Well, I want him to enjoy baseball, so I want him to learn how to throw better and correctly. And right. then we explain the same thing, kind of what you're going. It's like, well, we believe that if we can teach you to throw better, not pitch, we don't even really, we don't even like using that P word. We right. just talk about throwing, right? right? Movement, right. Yeah, if we can teach you to move and throw better, your baseball experience from seven will be significantly different than someone who else who doesn't work on that at seven. Like right. we are gonna drastically send you on a different track to when you're 12, you just have a strong arm. Right. And a strong arm is a healthy arm to us, and that's what we really believe in and right. what we're trying to put together. And, and think about, it. like fundamentally, what are kids doing at seven and eight years old? They're trying things for the first time. Right. They're failing at it nonstop. So if you put them on a trampoline, they're gonna have this tons of anxiety to try to do a flip. And then they do that flip and now they can do like 10 flips in a row. And it's the same exact thing. And I have changed my thought process in this too, like understanding it and being with John for this period of time. Like they can actually afford to try to throw the ball as hard as they possibly can, fall over and get back up and be like, right. oh my God, do it again. Like right. this is the perfect time for them to do it. Right. What What is now not the perfect time, just think of their attention span. We're gonna take a weekend right now and we're gonna play just three games, let's say conservative. That's a lot of time. Right. I remember the first time I went to a double header as a college baseball player. Yeah. That felt like forever. Right. I could do that all day now. It right. right? It and so, your Saturday so, so, <laughs> so it's 14 innings at a ballpark. Is like, <laughs> these, are, these are things I'm I, good. Right. I get so jacked up because these are things that are just coming down to you. Like these are appropriate for the, where they're at. And like, right. it's so obvious on the surface if you just stay there, right? right? Like what are, what's the low hanging fruit? What is so obvious to us? And I just feel like a lot of people are missing it. So again, I'm yeah. gonna come back to like, let's keep going. Like what, what else? Like how can we help these, like whether it's baseball or softball, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. Well, but, I think that the thing is like, what you guys are doing is great. And you know, I think there's more training facilities like this popping up and uh, training, um, sport specific, but that's still doing it in kind of a holistic way and is trying to approach the sport from age development ways. I think unfortunately, that's probably the exception at this point compared to what most people are doing in terms of yes. um, youth sport coaching and, you know. Lessons. Lessons, yeah, right. We don't even, that's why we don't even call it lessons. Right. We call it training. Like, yeah. We want you to understand this. That's where the comprehensive word of training is right. a better blanket for But then, you know, so the, plan, the blame can be placed on, you know, a lot of coaches maybe not having the resources or doing it this way because it's more difficult to do things this way, right? It's easier to do things the way you were always taught to do them, easier to do things the way you were shown how to do them, right? But to think about it in a holistic way and try to come at it from a different approach is much more difficult. So I think it's why it's rare, but it's getting more popular, which is good. From the parent side, like I totally understand the parent perspective. I think parents get a lot of blame, the crazy parents or whatever. Parents are just, they all just parents care. at the end of the day are just trying to do what's best for their kids. And right? they care. Right, absolutely, yeah. And they're trying to figure out, they don't know what's, 
how to weigh this option versus this option. So, you know, I and think we've talked about like, there's no certification. Like, how should you right. know that we know anything? Right. right. Yeah, absolutely. They just have to weigh, you know, these coaches on their word in terms of this approach versus this approach. And so you get one coach who, you know, pitched in the major leagues or pitched professionally. Uh, and all of a sudden that uh, is its credential of its own in some ways. Right. And that's yeah. going to go a lot further maybe with parents than, um, you know, just approaching it from here's what like i have a i have a liberal arts degree and i'm a you know i have a kinesiology masters from whatever you know what i mean like nobody cares about that yeah like if i'm cscs like the general parent doesn't care about that right but as soon as i say that i played you know affiliate baseball it makes Mm -hmm. a difference to them yeah and and that sometimes like right that sometimes that can mean something right Right. like his professional experience like i can't have that right right? and he and he paid attention like immensely that's not everybody's experience you know what i mean so and every we know this so yeah yeah that's the thing, right no but that's i think an important thing for parents is and what my research is looking at now is you know where do parents get their information who are the people they listen to who are they most likely to be influenced by we haven't you know we're just in the beginning stages of that project but my guess is it's going to be more of kind of the celebrity athlete coaches as opposed to any sort of official resources or statements put out by medical organizations or baseball organizations or whatever that might be yeah and there's another aspect that that i believe in and this what drives me to still throw i'm, I'm 33 and i can still i'm low 90s like mm-hmm. it's just i'm still i'm doing it still right. like and so like a lot of the time we'll be working with a group of kids and doing stuff and he'll tell them, hey jump in and show them just do it because right. a lot of the kids are, are mimics to what they say. I mean, I grew up yes. watching Greg Maddox pitch and Ricky right. swing the bat and, right. and Chipper Jones and the way they played the game and right. they did all this stuff. And I would do that, you know what right. I mean? And so, like, I think that our training system is not age specific for time frames because we love it when we have a nine or 10 year old watching a high school kid doing some drills and he's throwing 90 miles an hour and all the kids are like whoa and I, right. I like I stand by this statement it keeps happening all the time we keep having kids do this but I think that anybody in the world can throw 90 miles an hour it's not if it's when mm-hmm. and so if you don't worry about the time frame to get there and you give yourself the best chance and you can take the safe, safest route right right yeah and that's the caveat though is there's people not like it's easy to miss that that part like oh i should be able to throw 90 by next you know next march you know next april and then there's a time pressure of you know a childhood a parent may feel like well i need to get my kid on this team by this time or else because this tryout is this day right it's happening earlier and earlier and and i just i think with what's happening with the internet and and the sharing of information and the message that we're trying to push and we have some very successful 14 and 15 year olds who've been with us for two years, like right. a, two and a half years, some, some of them, that's the longest that I've been doing this here in San Diego. And they're great. Their arm doesn't hurt, they right. feel really hard. They understand what they're doing. They also understand what they feel and how they communicate it to, yeah, with, right. with, with us. And, right. and the openness of them to, and they 100% believe that we are behind them 100%, no matter what happens. If you get, if you go out and give up 14 home runs in a row and you walk the yard, we're gonna come back and go, okay, what'd you do? We know you've done better than this right. before. Let's not panic and yeah. start changing things. Right, right. Let's figure out what you weren't doing. Because last week, you struck out nine in a row. Right. So yeah. what's the difference in one week there? Like, right. was it, there's a, there's external factors to go in. It's not because right. your coach said you didn't throw first pitch strikes. That was, right. that's not a real thing. Yeah. And you were mentally not there. Right. Well, I, I think that's like, it's back to what we're talking about is that it's that contrast between taking the long-term athletic development, right? Which is the ultimate goal, right? For all these kids is to develop long-term into athletes that continue to pitch. Maybe it's not in organized baseball, but they continue to play and participate in sports and be active throughout their lifespan, right? Versus the short-term demands of 
I need my kid to be on this team. I want to make this team by this day, you know, next month, you know, something happened in my last outing, whatever that might be. It's trying to balance those two things. And I think right now the youth sports system really focuses on the short term in terms of, you know, across sports, what can we do to make you as good for this competition as possible, right? Mm -hmm. Otherwise you wouldn't have six-year-olds competing. What's the point of a six-year-old competition, right? My kid's no, not going to play two balls. It's just right. not going to happen. Exactly, right. There's What's that, the point of it? Yeah, what are we doing? Yeah, exactly. But, you know, you don't have that unless the focus is really on competition, right? Yeah. And trying to basically mimic what's happening in professional or college or high school sports, right? You want to have those kids doing, because, okay, well, they play games at that level, so we're going to have competitions at this level. Mm -hmm. So it's that balance between that and the long-term view of, okay, what's going to be best for you two years from now, as yeah. opposed to your outcome this weekend or whatever that might exactly. be. Yeah. And, and every good coach that we're talking to has some version of this. Kyle, uh, Kyle Wagner, we did a podcast with him. He's a coach out on the East Coast, talked about playing the long game. He had mm -hmm. some different, like, great analogies for it. Um, yeah, I think that's the exciting thing in the baseball world. I've been out of it for a little bit, but it seems like there's been a culture shift or culture shifting that's happening towards more of this type of, I think, younger coaches coming up and, you know, that are pushing these development um, centers or gyms or whatever that are really focusing more on long-term athletic development. Oh, I, I think a lot of them have to do with a similar story with me. They got hurt, right. they figured it out, and when you get hurt drastically like Tommy John or like me breaking my elbow, there's a whole learning curve of like, okay, like you really have to look at yourself and be right. like, I was doing something wrong. Yeah, no, that's like a great This point, would yeah. not have happened if I was throwing correctly. And the people that don't do that and then have TJ again, it's like, well, how did you just make the same mistake? Well, because like, people before just like accepted the fact that they were hurt and they couldn't do anything about it. And we just like have enough information that suggests that like, yeah, if you try hard enough, there's a really good chance you can change your outcomes and whatever. I'm not, and you said you're not big into the baseball world, but right now there's a big, um, there, there's a I would say almost two schools of thought right now, in America at least, not the international is a completely different thing, but there is a short arm and a long arm action mm -hmm. situation going on right now where you're really kind of tight and short and you want to keep it tight so your arm moves fast. And then kind of what we talk about, which is a longer arm, right. looser type of a throw. And comments out the world, like I threw a ball 114 yards yesterday, mm -hmm. arm feels fine. I also threw for like an hour and a half. It wasn't right. like just, you know, and, and right. it's one of our pro guys we're throwing with, we're building up, it's a volume thing, we're doing, uh, we're being smart about it. We're not just going out there and doing stupid things, right. you know? And the debate of like, what is right and wrong when really, like, what, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. what's the goal? Yeah, I think the comfortableness of being able to throw, be confident and know it's not gonna hurt. Right. Which is introduced, I think, when we add coaches to the game. Yeah. If we play, when I, I played tennis ball, baseball every day after, you know, in the summer when I was right. growing up. And right. then when I played baseball itself, it almost didn't seem as fun because like you had a, you had a butt. Right. You know, my coach is over here telling me what's, I got to steal, I got to butt. Right. And, yeah, and, yeah. and meanwhile, like, you know, if it's more of a Sandlot fun, free situation, like yeah. I think that's the experience I want to give to my kids whenever I have kids yeah. with it, but it just doesn't seem. Well, I think you're right. Like, you know, part of the thing is what we've seen in terms of unorganized sport activities play, like you're talking about, those, the number of hours that kids report spending in unorganized activity has gone way down, obviously, right? Everything now is organized. It's under the supervision of a coach or a referee or something like that, right? And so I think you're right, you know, what you're speaking to is, you know, the current generation of pitchers, 
has gotten injured at a rate, you know, higher than ever before, as far as we can tell. You know, who knows what the actual rates were back in the 50s, 60s, and before, because those guys might have just dropped out of baseball. But, you know, it seems like the Tommy John rate, rates are incre were increasing to rise, uh, you know, early 2000s through, you know, late 2000s at rates that hadn't happened before. So I think you're right. As those pitchers transition out of baseball, right, they're going to have this totally new experience of what, um, you know, pitching was like for them, right, and what they had to go through. And so they'll bring a different view to that. And I think the other thing, too, is that, coaches of this generation, right, grew up in a more organized sport world, or, you know, they were kind of on the edge of having an unorganized childhood and then highly organized as they're getting into adolescence, right? And so now with the current youth sports system is so organized, I think that we push so back early. that, right? Yeah. As there's more parents, you know, in our generation that have more of that unorganized experience. So these are the three things that keep jumping into my head because uh, I'm pretty sure, was, I'm, I've been talking to so many people and listening to so many things. I think it was Randy Sullivan talked about three different things, environment, task, and athlete. Yes, it was, because I clarified with him. So. My argument, and if I can, I think this is the cleanest way I've ever said it, is my argument is that everybody's focusing on the athlete and, and developing the athlete. When if they would just worry about the environment and the task, those are actually lo lower hanging fruit. It's a lot easier to have a positive impact on those things with very little knowledge of the game of baseball. Right. Because like and anybody can be an aunt or an uncle, right? They can go into that mode of like, I'm gonna make this super fun for them and I'm right. gonna make this something that like, they're going to remember this. Yeah. And like, I knew that I wasn't doing that in the past and I was seeing that, right? Going back to, that's what we were talking about right at the beginning of this is like, that is everything. And then trust becomes like comes through that. So now we have kids that are comfortable with us that enjoy coming there. Like they look forward to our sessions and we're developing them. So like most of the time development doesn't look like that, right? right? And so like, even if you're not developing at the rate that we are, you're still going to be developing at a better rate because the environment is such a big thing. We right. continue to say it over and over and over again. And then the task, like how simple can you make the task? The task cannot be get your arm in this place while your glove side is in this place and then explode. Like right. that's just not how kids work, right. right? So the task is like, hey, I mean, our podcast with Lance Wheeler, he talked about this. Um, he, he has a nine-year-old and all his nine-year-old has done is thrown in front of a radar gun and throw at things like bottles, right, like yeah. break things. Right, and and I keep on saying that, I'm like, I cannot wait until we have an environment where we can do that. Like I wanna blow up bottles. Cause that's such a simple way yeah. and it doesn't have to be bottles, right? It can be whatever right. is more exciting yeah. than the environment that you're creating. Going back to like blending that task and environment. Right. Um, no, la that, la right. Last thing, because I want to give something, if you are listening, like this is something that we talk about in a practice situation that you can fix. So we, with our younger players, if you have a kid and you say, I want you to throw this ball as hard as you possibly can. Okay. The first anxiety that they have is I don't know where it's going. So when we have younger players for the first time throw as hard as they can, and I'm talking like five, six year olds, they run up to the target, stop and throw it as hard as they can. Yeah. Okay. And that tells us everything that we need to know developmentally of where it starts at. Right. And then it's like, okay, their willingness to keep their eyes, they'll do anything. So they won't turn like they should to throw because they won't get rid of their eyesight. Like that's right. fundamental to being a kid. Right. If you're five years old and you can't see what's around you, life isn't gonna be very fun for you. Yeah, You're gonna right. get hurt all the time, just right. right. So, so building from these principles, it's easier to say, okay, this is what they're not getting in, in, a, in a team setting, okay? So seven and eight year old, if they are a good thrower, when can they ever practice that? Because right. they have to go play catch with that kid. And maybe right. that kid can't catch the ball because they're throwing it 55 miles an hour because they practice it. Right. Conversely, you just have a huge kid who now is gonna throw the ball softer because he has a younger player that yeah. isn't able to do it. Right. So this happens all the time. Right. So a simple solution to that is 
just make them throw at something, right? Yeah. Put a net in front of them. And now your game of catch is we're gonna do this 10, 15 minutes. That's gonna be your game of catch. And we'll play three to four minutes of like, let's go back and forth and like do this short stop, quick toss, work on your hands kind of stuff. Yeah. Or no. go catch fly balls, you know? I mean, this just, I mean, this is great. because I have so many things going on in my head now. You know, one thing with that, yeah, the other thing the parents, getting back to parents, what they feel pressure is, is if my kid can't play catch with another kid, right, they don't develop that skill, how can they, you know, they're gonna have to develop that early so they can stay in the pipeline to eventually play on their high school team, right? If you have a kid who's athletic but never learned those basic skills, right, there's no way back into the system for them, really, if they don't. So the parents feel this pressure of, if my kid can't, is the one kid that, you know, when he throws it, he doesn't know where it's going, and he doesn't have a catch partner or whatever, He's going to drop out of baseball, and he's going to feel like he can't get back into baseball again, right? Yep. It's because that focus so early is being able to do those organized technical skills, you know, that are game related as opposed to fun related and movement related, and way skills. ahead of yeah, where, skills, yeah. and way ahead of where they should be at. Right. Yeah. You should not be able to play a game of catch at five years old. Yeah. You you can't you can't even hold your hand up the right way. Right. Without, right. And you're wearing right. a glove that's nothing. Raise your left hand, and half of them are going right hand. Like it's yeah. right just not appropriate. Yeah. yeah, so I love that. And the other thing I like too is the environment tasks that brought to mind. Canada has done a really good job with long-term athletic development as it relates to hockey, because obviously they're trying to you know, continue to be uh, dominant uh, in that Those world. Those Canucks. That's right, yeah. So what they did, they put out a video, you can find it on YouTube, uh, you can dig it up. But they, uh, what they did is they showed what it's like for kids to play on a regulation size hockey rink. Okay, and so what had been happening in youth sports and hockey was that they never thought about changing the ring size, right? The environment that the kids are playing on. So these kids are playing on what's to them a huge yeah. uh, playing surface, yeah, right? So mile. they're never getting yeah. to touch the puck. They're never getting to interact with the game, right? And so they took adults and they put them, they magnified the scale of a hockey rink to what it would be for a kid, right? And had these adults go out and play on it. It's hilarious because the adults have no idea what to do, right? right. It, ruins their experience. They'll talk about how not fun it is to play hockey on something that big, right? I don't want to run all the skate all the yes, way down exactly, there. Yeah, exactly, right. You have no idea so what you're far. Doing, right? Everybody yeah, is that's such, hilarious, such a huge yeah. system. So what they've done now is they've shrunk the ring the size. Yeah, this exactly. is happening in soccer too, you know, more short-sighted games as opposed to putting kids on this giant, you know, soccer pitch where they might touch the ball once in an hour and a half, right? What type of skill development is that, right? So modifying that environment, I, I love that those three components, right? You modify the environment and make it a more fun task, and all of a sudden, you've got kids that want to come back and come back again, right? And continue to uh, develop, but they don't know, it's not, you know. They it doesn't know. happen in a game right away right. either, right? right? We see the video that parents sent us and they forget to do some of the things that they practice because the anxiety just is through the roof, right? Right. Yeah. So the environment is not appropriate for where they're at yet, and so they freak out and they do things that, you know, just right. aren't, and that's okay. That's fine, right, it's okay. That's right, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we, we actually have, uh, uh, I, I, he saw me do it, and, I, and it's something that, like, when we first started working together, that like he didn't put together. But I was like, I just feel like people are too hard on kids for missing, right? Mm -hmm. And so he saw there's an eight year old doing all these. Drugs Don't put this on me. I do not believe. I do no, not. No, it's just like the first day. I've always said it, kids. We we are way too hard on kids. I know. They're I know. so but much smarter on, than we give on, them credit hold for. Hold on. I'm not trying to throw you under no the bus. No way. I'm not throwing you under the okay, bus. Okay, go ahead. Keep going. What I'm saying is like you watched what I said, and we were talking about. Well, what about his motion? What about this? And I said, all I care about him at eight is how fast he can throw it in the box. And what what I game. will admit to is I he does an impeccable job 
of letting things go by, where my eye sees seven things going on that could be more efficient, and I have a hard time figuring out like how am I going to let those go? Right. You know, and that's and, and I'm and this is my profession. Like that's right. hard for me. Well, that's a natural impulse, you know. I, I mean, because I want to help. Right. Yeah. You know, that's a natural kind of pitching coach impulse, right? Is to like let's tweak this, tweak that, tweak this, tweak mm -hmm. that, as opposed to I think now more the kind of modern thought is more hands off and more at these fundamental skill levels as yeah. opposed to on the like let's move this, let's make sure we're not in this position or whatever that, you know, the position of the year is that everybody's talking about will cost Tommy John. Right? Yeah, so we take that environment and we add like distance, right? And we have a level up game and some other things. And I say, okay, you have to shuffle and throw this ball in this box. And if it's 42 or lower, it doesn't count. Mm -hmm. And most of the time it is lower because they always slow down to aim the ball right. and push it, completely changes the arm mechanic to right. what, what we're trying to have them feel. And it actually hurts, it's worse, right? right. So we, we know that kids will lie multiple times about their arm, right? Yeah. And just because of the first time they said their arm hurt to their coach, like mom and dad told me they got benched, they'll never do it again ever because right. they want to play the game. And it looks, yeah. it sounds weak. You look yeah, like you're exactly, weak. Yeah, you yeah. look, and, and, and I, was, I was given the, the team needs you speech and then I break my elbow at right. 21, you know, and then, and, and I just, we, we just really try to create that openness and that communication. Yeah. So right. what we've noticed is that these kids that are developing and, and a lot of them just start off like throwing it out of the gym or, or literally like going crazy. And we're like, just keep going, man. I, I love yeah. this though. When we have kids make a bad throw, it'll little ricochet off the wall. And we just started doing this like eight weeks ago. And it's brilliant. Yeah. It's make a play. So yeah. now it becomes a ground ball that they have to go run up to and, and make a throw, throw from a weird box. arm angle. And right. they love it. Yeah. So we take the most traumatic thing that could happen in the gym of you just shanking a ball, <laughs> yeah. right? right? And now it's fun. the best thing in the yeah. game. Yeah. You know what I mean? It makes yeah. it fun, but also makes them do something. Exactly. Like right. So we're, we're, and then we have different versions of this that as they get older, right? So right. instead of competing against yourself, once you can kind of master that, if we get somebody else around your age, now you guys are gonna go back and forth. Yeah. It's the first one to three strikes. And then we're gonna make it harder and move it back and go from there. And then we'll get maybe a bunch of kids and we'll go, okay, the first one to ten right right no 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 elimination or we'll have a tournament and they yeah. go through it and stuff and now we're teaching the competition and the focus because like you said most of the time when they when they become uncomfortable and they become anxious they lean on the old pattern of throwing which we know is the problem right, right. and so we can point at to like no instead of going down and then following the rules we talk about we saw you swing up kind of hesitate yeah panic and then push it and then it died you know right. it was it was in line but it just didn't have the same thing so right. we have to explain well when there was no game five minutes ago and i was sitting back there as a catcher and you were ripping 50s right, right at me why did you change that thought process yeah. what happened there right? right and it turns into the same thing in the game you know and right. everybody thinks that that side of competition is good but if you listen to the best that have ever done anything it's like it's almost like they're playing against themselves like right. it doesn't even matter who michael jordan was going up against right. he was competing against himself right. to score to as many best. points right. and to be as efficient as possible it, right. it, he does it he literally in his uh, hall of fame speech says he does not remember the people who guarded him because they asked him that's such who a salty is, hall of fame speech i know him. right like you see the other day say steph curry's not a hall of famer i was yeah, like oh my god yeah, this guy is unbelievable I exactly love him. Yeah. exactly you know what i mean it, but it's that's just how he thought. Like yeah. he just thought that it was just him versus the mountain. It did yeah. not matter who else was climbing it with right. him. You know? Yeah. No, absolutely. Like, and what I hear there too is again, it's a focus on the unorganized games. Right? They have a purpose. It's not you know, uh, they're not meaningless. But you allow them to do something in a novel way that is going to increase their enjoyment. Right? Increase their athletic ability. Increase their skill. But not. It doesn't. Have, the only way to 
get better at being a pitcher is not pitching off the mound, right? There's other ways that you can get better at that skill than doing what for so long was thought of the only way to get better at it is to do it, right? 10,000 times and throw off the mound and, you know, become an expert at it. But I think what you guys are doing, what a lot of folks are starting to do, the new norm is to try to find new ways to, you know, like you said, modify the environment, modify the tasks, right? Make it fun, make it a task that is trying to accomplish this skill development, but not necessarily, uh, it's something that's gonna eventually translate into in-game skill, right? Well, the foundation is things that are not necessarily uh, replicating one for one what happens in the sport. From yeah. your perspective, is that a fair way? I mean, I'm I'm t taking something that I, I, you know, Randy just said this. So Randy Sullivan, do you know who that is? Randy Sullivan is the Florida baseball name, Rams yeah. guy. So he has okay. a PT background and you know, so yeah. there would be, so he's speaking from that side of things. I think it's priority though. Like I think it is environment is the most important thing. I think the task is the next important thing and then the athlete. Yeah. Like I think that's the thing. And I think the order of that is, you know, I, I feel like I'm making that claim is what right. I'm saying. Am no, I crazy you know, to say I don't it that think way? So, you know, like I said, getting back to it, all the research shows that number one reason kids play sports is because it's fun, right? Number one reason they drop out because it's not fun anymore, right? So you create an environment that's welcoming, that's fun, that's open to them, you know, expressing their movement even when the movement results in bad outcomes, it's still welcoming for them. You know, that's when does that change part of the ballgame? Well, if you look at like athlete development models, what a lot of that research shows is that really up through uh, puberty, so early adolescence, really the focus is on um, unorganized play, skill development, sampling different movements, right? And trying to create this broad base of movement skills broadly, right? So throwing would be one of those movement skills, but also just being able to you know, move around athletically, right? And then as you start to get into that kind of 11, 12, 13 years old, then you start to narrow down, right? More into more sports specific, skill specific, you know, so pitching off a mound, those type of things, very- The much. precision game is what Kyle, yeah. uh, Kyle said. Yeah, right, yeah. So like, you start to boil down to that. And then by the time they're 15, 16, 17, that's really when it's time to um, narrow down into, you know, their, if they want to do just focus on baseball, then they're narrowing down this really sports specific, they're still keeping that broad movement skills, but that's when the time is really to ramp up the type of, you know, um, the actual skills they're going to have to perform in a game, right? I've never thought of it that way, but that just sounds like the exact way to describe when someone stops having fun. Yeah. Like playing the game. Yeah. Right? Like what he just talked about. Yeah. Like that's where everybody's like, I am so burnt out because this is just yeah. like, this was stop. This wasn't fun like five years ago. Right. And I think that one of the things that we try to push all the time, and I know it's so counterculture, but I love it. And we always talk about it. It's like, we try to create a fun environment by like, just even for our older, especially for our older guys, like, how many people can you make look stupid pitching, striking right. them out? Yeah. Strike out as many dudes as you can. Right, as that's, many a great, as you yeah. can. that's a great point because I think what people see when they see those kind of athletic development models, they think, okay, as soon as they're 15, then we're gonna start really, you know, they're gonna do all baseball competition and nothing else, right? They're gonna be on these travel teams, they're gonna do all this stuff, we're gonna ramp it way up. But like I said, it's a spectrum, right? You still wanna incorporate the fun, right? You have to keep them in the sport like you said, most kids drop out of sport by the time they're 13, right? The vast majority of kids that play at youth sports drop out by age 13 because it gets into more competitive, you know, very rigid in terms of what you're doing, you know, sport-based, you know, sport-specific skill practice as opposed to fun practices, as opposed to things that are gonna get you outside of your comfort zone, as opposed to thinking about things in different ways than just, you know, am I hitting the strike zone or whatever that might be, yeah, absolutely. So that's like, you know, that's the balance, right? Is that, yes, you should, all athletes are eventually going to narrow down, right, and choose their given sport and get more sport specific as they age, but you don't want to lose that 
other component of having fun, right? That's the, at the end of the day, that's still the reason kids are gonna play or are gonna drop out is because they're having fun or not having fun anymore. If they get to their high school team, and all of a sudden they have a pitching coach that's picking apart every little thing they're doing, right? And they're just pitching a ton of volume without doing anything else that's more fun for them. They're not gonna be, unless they're really internally motivated, they're gonna lose a lot of that external motivation or external environment that keeps them playing. Are you seeing like this in other sports? John was talking about um, the like just the un the pain. So the lack of communication from what's actually going on in these athletes from a baseball standpoint, right? So specifically the arm, obviously yeah. for us. But like, is that? I mean, I'm just trying to think. My wife played soccer, right? Yeah. So it's not like people you know, are like complaining about, oh, my leg hurts, but I'm not going to tell anybody. Well, what it is is in concussions. So the research shows the same exact thing for concussions. We got a big study right now of three thousand kids. Uh, male and female and across sports the reason kids pretend uh, there's a thought out there that well there's a lot of kids that kids are pretending to have a concussion so that they can get out of sports right or like you know get stay out of school or whatever but really we showed basically out of that 3,000 basically nobody was pretending to have a concussion what we did show is that the kids they all had them but they didn't the ones that did have a concussion right what the reason they would pretend would be to get back sooner to get back to the sport faster than they're ready okay so they want to get back before it when they're still having symptoms so they would not report to coaches to their teammates to athletic trainers because they didn't want to let their teammates down they didn't view the injury necessarily as that serious and they knew if they told somebody that they would be held out of uh, getting able to play right and so they best for the team exactly right yeah they're gonna let their teammates down they're gonna let their coach down and so that was the reasons we saw that they concealed uh, their symptoms when they had a concussion is because they wanted to get back even faster than they should. Yeah, so it happens in other sports with other injuries, definitely. So we have an athlete that was, um, he came in and it was his fourth day throwing that week and we were like, you're barely gonna throw. Mm -hmm. And it was really hard for him. It wasn't like he felt like he needed, to, he was letting anybody down. He just was so eager because he loves to do it so yeah. much too. So in that case, it's it's not necessarily like always just these bad adults no, around no. them. Sometimes it's literally like you have to be the adult around them and yeah. you have to recognize these things like, right. hey, do you see how eager you are? Yeah. That's awesome, great yeah. job. Like, I love that you love to throw, but sometimes you have to play the long game here yes. and you have to think ahead. And then two days later, he threw his hardest pitch he's thrown. He PR'd two days later. I'm like, this is perfect because now I get to go back and I get to bring up this Saturday, remember when you didn't throw? You got rewarded. Right. No, so. that's. I want to make that clear too with that concussion stuff. The number one reason they uh, hid by far was that they didn't think it was serious, they, that the injury was serious, right? So it was on them not necessarily having the knowledge of what a concussion is or feeling like um, it's not necessarily that something that I need to tell somebody about, right? right? So yeah, it's not this thing where there's so many bad actors. Those were just some of the other reasons listed was that they didn't want to let their teammates down or the coach pressured them or something like that. But number one was exactly, you know, a 13 year old kid, yeah, my elbow hurts, but I want to push through it. You know, if you think about a 13 year old boy, right? They have no long-term thoughts essentially, right? They live in the moment at that moment, you know, yeah. if they can't pitch today, it's the end of the world. If they can't throw today, it's the end of the world that day, right? Yeah. They don't think about what's gonna happen two days from now. Thursday doesn't exist to them, right? You know, so they don't, that's the thing where you have to have the appropriate coaching, the appropriate, that trust built where you can communicate and say, look, this sucks today, but in two days, it's gonna benefit you. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I love it, I love yeah. it. No, I mean, I think a lot of things you guys are saying, I think that's a good thing in baseball. You know, when we talk about other sports, a lot of my research is focused on youth female sports and what we see in specialization and stuff and competition volume and the year-round stuff is even worse in youth female sports compared to male sports. So baseball, yeah, it seems like a lot of crazy things are happening, but from what we've seen, 
everything crazy that's happening is happening to an even greater extent in youth girl sports. Yeah. Which is why? I, it's I don't dads. know. Yeah. It's the dads. Yeah. It's 100%. Uh, I, I, see I, that, yeah. I didn't have, it's the dads. I wanted to have a son or I want my daughter to spare the compet, you know, enjoy the competitive spirit of the game, especially in softball, because that's baseball, but softball. Right. right. And then she's going to fall in love with the game. So we're going to go to this travel team. And then, like, I guess it's just what we do. We play 12 games in a weekend. Right? I don't know how to relate to my daughter, so I'm going to <laughs> yeah, I no. can't. I can't do it. I can't. Yeah. Do it. But yeah, I mean, for whatever reason, we see it way ramped up on the girl side of things. Yeah. Yeah, that makes total sense. That makes total sense. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what I see. I mean, right. well, uh, the couple softball players that I've dealt with and throwing and stuff like that. It's, well, who are the throwing partners always when they're pitching to? It's always their dad. Yeah, it's hundred percent. That's what I'm saying. That's exactly yeah. what I'm saying. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, we're gonna get out there and work on it. Right. You know, like well, we're, I gonna, we're gonna be the best. Yeah. You know, that I've heard. Whole. So I heard it's softball's bad. Is it other sports too? Yeah, volleyball's a big one. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah volleyball's huge on the travel circuit, on the club yeah. circuit. Yeah, absolutely. And so wow. what, what we found there too, another interesting piece of it is that a lot of the this was back in Wisconsin uh, when I was there. A lot of the high school coaches. Uh, we're also club team coaches, yes. and so, so there's the thing of if you don't play on my club team, right, then you're not going to make the cut for the high school team. So for there's sure. this pressure to have to continue to do it year round, right? And then you've got, you know, your off, you go right from your in season team to your off season team to your summer club team, and there's no yeah, gaps in there. You have to be on those if you want to continue. As parents, you, I, I almost think like you have to see the business happening in front of you. Like yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, that's the other thing too is like we we have we we let uh, seventy minutes, sixty minutes. 95 minutes like i don't care like you're paying me the same thing for that because whatever it takes like whatever is appropriate today yeah so we don't have teams either yeah like we don't have teams on purpose because we understand like no this is something you should be building but this is also why we want to have teams be, because yeah like, well i mean we'll we'll get there but right now know, so right but exactly. the concept of teams is, is the problem the, right? but that but this is why it's, we're, I, I was so anti-team and now i'm like i might have to do it because we want to have control we want yeah. to be able to have a better impact on okay so teams. let me let me ask this uh, i just thought of a question right there I had a parent ask me the other day, and I like this time frame just on math, and maybe just because I'm weird like that, but I like the math of it. They were talking about someone proposed a three-month season, mm -hmm. right, of playing maybe two to three weekends, yeah, um, maybe more, more like two, um, two weekends a month playing, three months, three months off, three months playing, yeah, three months off. Yeah, Do you feel like absolutely. that's a good little model, yes, right there. That's something that? what we're trying to get. You know, there's these recommendations that have come out from medical organizations, but, you know, whenever medical organization, organizations put out um, guidelines, they always just get retweeted by other medical providers, right? And there's no real, like, it doesn't get out to actual people that are living uh, the experience, right? Yeah. So one of the things in baseball that comes up all the time, yeah, is to take three to four months off throughout the year. What people think that means is I'm going to go for eight months straight and then take three to four months off, right? But that's the way you want to do it, right? Ideally, in the ideal world, it would be, you know, development, okay, do something else. Development, do something else, right? It's not this huge volume over an eight-month period, and then maybe you take a couple months off. Work those months of rest. It could even be, you know, two and one, two and one, two and one, whatever that might be, right? To break that up throughout the year. If you look at the skill development uh, research as well, what it shows is when you have kind of that blocked, uh, training where you do something and then you have a break and then you come back to it and you do something you break that's more beneficial as well from a skill development standpoint because it lets those patterns kind of sink in let them go off do something else it's interesting and it's not just this it overloading. Is interesting. That, that is interesting because that's like okay so randy sullivan talks about the opposite right mm -hmm. and you hear a lot of the big leaguers um i'm not a big leader but i agree with this i feel the same way um and and i think it's just the concept of what off season means yeah right really i think 
if we change it to competition, no competition, competition, yeah. no competition, right. that's a better way to look at yeah, it, right? right? Because the continuation of the, you know, the strength training, the throwing, the mobility, you know, as you add these pieces to these athletes as they go to stuff, right? I right. think that that down period to work on those skills to become better at the skill of throwing, yeah. right? Yeah. And we see that with a lot of our guys. Um, we so have, you're saying go away from competition, you're saying go away from the sport. No, so, well, not necessarily, yeah. I think, you know, that's an individual basis. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. So the recommendations say, you know, get away from or that organized sport for three to four months, okay? But in their mind, what that means is stop competing in that sport, right? Mm -hmm. I think there's safe ways to be a year-round baseball athlete, and it follows that model, right? It's competition for a short time period, and then skill development, okay? Competition, skill development. And that, I think I like that better. That's yeah. That, and when you talk about this, I'm, I think there's too much like concern of being right at the bottom. Like, I don't think you need to shut everything down. I don't think you need to like completely stop activity. Right. I think you just need to really lessen it, and then like control the volume and the intensity yeah, like, right have or if you have, you yeah. know, and that's the time if you have a kid that you know i like baseball but i also like basketball or whatever well then you know play basketball during, during that time okay and maybe you'll do a very low training load within baseball you know well yeah because that's the thing and, I, and this is where i want to know like the argument is if you remove all of the stress from the arm the physical adaptation to the shoulder like is that a thing like that might not be a that's a thing in volleyball mm -hmm. Is that a thing in all of the sports? Do you know what I mean? I think volleyball is a different type of thing too. Well, they're, 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 their hit is really similar to our throw. Yeah, so you're I, saying I, if you remove the load, then you're not gonna get the adaptation that you need? Well, yeah, so so like you're, so the, the, the simplest way that people typically talk about what happens to the arm is that you gain external rotation, you lose internal rotation. As long as it's going like this, you're fine, but if it goes like this, where you lose a ton of internal rotation, and you've only gained, you know, 20 degrees of external rotation, you lose 40 degrees, that's the, what you don't want. Right. Um, I so, think, you know, it depends. If you're on the youth level, you know, if we're talking before 10 years old, I don't think it necessarily is as big of a deal, right? If we're worried about GERD and shoulder adaptation, right? As long as you're having, over the course of the year, are they developing the skills that you want them to develop? So it becomes right? more of an issue. As you're older, right? 12, yeah, 13, 14. you're starting to see that, you know, uh, capsular changes and losing the range of motion and stuff. So this right. is where, and I don't need to affirm what we're doing, but it is, uh, we, we our younger kids are usually like once a week. Yeah. Okay. And, right. and they'll, you know, come and go as, and it's usually as long as it's once a week, con as consistently as they can, it's not that big of a deal. But they're older kids, it's like, you're only doing once a week, it's tougher for us to make an impact. Right. So that's where it becomes more important that they're, the older, what, 13, 14, 15, they're starting to learn how to program their body and like, follow some sort of plan, some sort of vague plan that they can like lean on to manage their own arm. Yeah. Right. right. And, and just, yeah. And so I'm probably, thinking aloud here. It looks, the yearly schedule looks a lot different depending on the age of the athlete, their goals and whatever that might be. Right. It all has to be that part of the equation is going to be maybe the most individualized part. Right. Cause it's going to depend. If you have a kid that's like, I want to play baseball because I have fun playing baseball. I want to hang out with my friends. Uh, but I also, I love basketball. That's what I really want to do is play basketball. Right. Well then they're, you know, baseball stuff is going to be uh, kind of secondary to whatever they're doing within basketball, right? And so when you get them on that low period, they might be doing very little baseball activities during that low period, right? But then you ramp them back, back up into baseball. When you look as they get into high school and they have to kind of specialize and maybe choose a sport by the end of high school if they're trying to continue on and play in college or something like that, that's when I think you need to be really worried about, you know, uh, so we have this up period of competition and then skill development and maybe we're going to have a couple months of a rest period or two, right? What do we want them to still be doing during that rest period? I would not advocate for 
I have to be careful with this because if a parent hears you say, well, I wouldn't advocate for total rest, then they're like, okay, it's great that my kid is playing year round, right? There's a balance there, right? But everything is on this spectrum, on this continuum. So you ramp down during those down periods. It doesn't mean you do nothing, right? But you ramp dramatically down what you're doing in terms of your specific, you know, baseball specific training while those other activities are taking its place. Maybe they still are playing football. So they're gonna be quarterback in the fall, right? And then they're coming in and training with you, but at a very limited amount, just to kind of maintain adaptations, maintain skills, right? And exactly, and if we have a quarterback, that's like, great, you are doing all that right. you need to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's where, that's the obvious one. But, uh, you know, like, what are you doing? Somebody might be like, I'm done throwing. Uh, and let's make sure, like, okay, so that, that was very clarifying for the younger players. It's it's less important if you do it perfect. Just like you, m most of the parents that I know, know when they're blowing it out. Yeah. But with the older kids, if you were going to take time off, right, what is that going to look like? And if I'm going to be in the weight room, truly not picking up a ball for two to three months, what are you doing in the weight room that is enhancing the fact that you're doing that, right? Yeah. Are you doing similar motions with like cables? Are you doing external internal rotation stuff, you know, at a, you know, t whatever, right? right. Like yeah. just throwing a football is really obvious, but if you're doing things that are similar to a throw and in that mindset, I think you can be, I think it's a lot easier, but that's just, now you need somebody to help you understand like yeah. what that is. Right. Now you need, you might need to be paying somebody to program these things. Right, yeah, that's where it gets difficult, right? And that gets back to my concern about you know, we have this segment of the population that's going to be able to afford those services, right? But for most kids, they're going to be in their off season. If they're a football athlete, they're going to be given the football lift uh, program by the strength coach at their high school or by the football coach at their high school. And they're going to be doing a very non-baseball specific, you know, lifting program in their off season that's not going to really contribute to their baseball skills necessarily, right? It, it's like, it. The, it's so funny that you say that because that football mindset and the understanding of that, like, that's just a different world. It's not even close to the same thing, right? right? And we have people comment on stuff all the time. They're like, oh, these kids would throw harder if they were in the weight room. And I'm like, in what world, if you are throwing, I'm mean, sorry, if you're lifting and not throwing, you're gonna throw harder. Mm -hmm. Like I'm just, I can understand the concept of the engine, right? Right. And Randy Sullivan talks about, we, we love the podcast and it's just something that I believe, but like my experience and how I did it, if I lifted and I didn't throw, when I would throw, it just felt terrible, yeah. right? And I feel like I would lose the skill of the comfortability of the arm of what I'm doing. Right. But after I break my arm and I'm trying to figure everything out, I made sure that I threw through that entire process and I feel like I was able to make significant- And lift. And lift, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Make significant gains in, in both, in overall body control, power, as well as throwing skill. Right. And so that concept is, is pretty much the basis of the whole thing of what happened, as well as some of the other things that we talk about um, with the follow through at deceleration patterns that right. that we just don't hear a lot of people talking about. Yeah, so no, I think the older the athlete gets, right? I think you look at when injuries happen in baseball, right? They happen in spring training, right? There's people who have maybe have not done the things they need to do in the off season or not maintain the um, conditioning or the adaptation that they need to maintain, right? Rest, active rest, I think is something that the older the athlete gets, the more important being smart about active rest is, right? Obviously you want to limit your volume throughout the year so you don't have you know, a 17 year old who's throwing 250 competitive innings or something in a year, right? Mm -hmm. But they can still be participating uh, to a large extent in baseball skills activities, uh, things that can contribute to their baseball skill development throughout the year, right? Without having to be on the mound uh, you know, 50, 60 times, right? Um, from the mound in a given year, right? But you also don't want to, it's that U-shaped curve again, right? You don't want to you don't want to do too little. So when you have that time to rest, right? Uh, you want to make sure it's 
not just a full rest, but an active rest, right? As you get to those higher levels, right? So being smart about, you can totally ramp down your competition uh, pitching volume, right? While still maintaining your arm strength in different ways. Yeah, yeah. in different ways. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's, that was the number one thing for me for what I felt. I felt like I lost everything. I lost yeah. the power. He, we, he was a not, he was an anti-long toss guy. He was a 120 foot guy. <laughs> and like, I was long tossing all the time because we had like 14 pitchers and we played like four But that's, games. that's exactly what he's saying is like, that's the whole point is that it was this pattern of like, I was doing something really well the, the whole entire time. Right? No, I, I, I agree. And I then agree. shutting it out. Exactly. Exactly. I think that's the thing. It's not a simple conversation. Right? Yeah. It used to be a simple conversation of you're either pitching or you're resting, right? We have on and off, and those are the two switches, right? But a lot of stuff now with the new you know, training implements, whether it's long toss, weighted balls, whatever that be, it's great because it creates this kind of slider, right? Where it's like, okay, we're not on the on switch in terms of our competition schedule, right? But we need to maintain and continue to develop our skills, so we're not going to go on the total off switch either, unless we're, you know, um, somebody who is again, on the younger side is playing multiple sports and is going to go focus on this other sport at this time, right? If you're somebody that now you're a baseball athlete, right, you don't want to be just have two modes that you switch between, right? I'm going to pitch off the mound or I'm going to do nothing, right? It's going to be, okay, I'm in my competition schedule, so my arm care is going to be more kind of maintenance and preventative, uh, and then in my off-season, I'm going to dial that down, right, and work more on the more... Um, not necessarily competition-specific skills in terms of pitching off the mound, but more of the... We call uh, it building up the arm. Yeah, exactly. We call right. it You're going to move back yes. into that world, mm -hmm. right? And so you may slide that way down to start with, just right after the end of your season, right, to have a little bit of that more uh, complete rest, but then you want to slide that up gradually back towards the eventual goal of pitching off the mound, yeah, right? We should create a slide. I, I was just going to say, like, such it, a, it's such an easy visual for us to, like, and this is just helping us... We've heard it from so many people that I would feel fairly confident saying, like, typically between if your kid's 12 to 13 years old, like, we can start becoming more serious about this. Like, we should be making sure that you're not just picking this ball up once a time, once a week when you see us. Like, that can't happen. Right. But if you're eight years old and that's what you're doing, like, it's okay. Right. Like, it's probably your body can handle that. Yeah, I think the younger kids that you, you know, the younger the kid is, the more the most important, well, this is always the most important question, right, is that are you enjoying this, right? But with a, an eight-year-old, really, that's the whole ball game, right? Are you having fun, right? right. Are you going to come back next week? Are you having fun doing this? The older you get, then you start to roll in different goals, right, in terms of what is your competition schedule, what are your competition goals, what do your you know, other sports look like that you do throughout the year? How can we make sure that on an individual basis, right, how can we make sure that you are going to achieve what your ultimate goals are beyond just enjoying playing baseball? Yeah. Yeah, so that, that was basically just my question is like, I, I didn't feel like there was an exact, like, I liked the, the idea of what you said on off. Like, it, I just heard you reference it, and I, my point was like, I can, I, uh, you're, I feel like your expertise and your observation and everything you've done with the, gen, like, uh, the studying and yeah. uh, the entire, the, of the whole process is, is a, a big answer for me personally, because I feel like I can point to that specific point in time and be like, I did not throw for six weeks, and then I came back and it was terrible. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like I was told to not throw. And then if I, if, when I put that next to the college schedule on, on the college athlete, there's a break of sometimes six, sometimes two and a half weeks. Right. Where they just on their own. And yes. a lot of coaches say, go home. And that's a huge issue, right? It's right. like you it's go home for Christmas, issue. you come back in January. Yeah, exactly. And what's happened in that intervening time. Right? And that's, and that's how it used to be in the minor leagues too. It's, it's at the end of the season, here's your throwing program see you in spring training, right? And so it's no wonder that spring training rolls around and guys have been doing whatever in the off season and all of a sudden they get on a mound and you start to have issues and the injuries spike in March, right? February, March, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, but you can think, you know, if you just think, you know, what was my pitching volume 
when you were going in summer ball, right? It was somewhere over here. What is the coach telling you to do? Well, it's on the complete opposite end of that. It's zero, mm -hmm. right? Obviously, there's a lot of things in between that, exactly, right? In exactly. Terms of and I just blindly, ball. okay. You know, yeah. I was told, oh, well, uh, scouts don't like your arm action. We need to shorten it up. And uh, But we also don't want you to throw too much because you you've been throwing for, he told me, you've been throwing for three years. That's what right. he told me. And I thought that, oh, because I, he was on the school of limited bullets and all of these things that yeah. now that I just don't believe. Like, right. I'm getting more and more experimental with my arm as I'm getting older. And, like, it just feels better and better. Yeah. And that's the only thing that I want to really convey to some of these parents and kids is like, if I don't throw, I don't feel good. Yeah. And, I'm, and I just, my arm just hasn't hurt. Yeah. Well, that's sense, a good thing too with like in younger coaches that I think is that the, and it's not just an age thing, right? It's just a mindset thing. But, but I think there's more and more coaching now that is like, what is the evidence behind that, you know, thing that coaches have always said, you know, the limited bullets? I don't know. It's just something we say, right? You only have so many bullets in your arm, but is there any evidence behind that? I don't know. I think coaches more and more now are be willing, be willing to say, I don't know. I think that might be BS. You know, from my experience, that feels like that's not true. You know, it's like the Moneyball thing, looking for guys that uh, are selling jeans or whatever, right? That look a certain way. Well, why do we want to look for? Is there any evidence behind that? I think that's what, from my experience with the baseball world, coaches are doing a better job of now more and more. There's more people that are willing to say. You know, step outside the conventional wisdom and think, okay, just because a pitching coach has always said that, is that necessarily true, right? Well, and, and, and what's I mean, the evidence supporting it's, it's fantastic. It's just the problem that I see is just that it's coming from the top, and yeah. the, you're saying these things, and I totally agree with you, right. but it's happening at Major League Baseball, it's yeah. happening in the college level, and a little bit at the high school level, and it's, yeah. it's just not getting back to like the, the younger players, which, which you're focusing on the most. Yeah, no, that's what we see over and over again. Not a baseball thing, but all sports, you know, it's. What is done is basically a replication of what happens in college and high school, or in college and professional sports, right? And that's what is replicated at the youth level, even if it's not appropriate, right? I think there are people in each sport industry who are trying to push it towards uh, what is happening, what you guys are describing in terms of this long-term athletic development model, right? Uh, but still, the vast majority of kids that are participating in youth sports across the country are in the, um, you know, their youth soccer games look a lot like, or try to look a lot like professional soccer games. Right? There's not a lot of thinking outside the box of how can we make soccer practice or soccer games uh, appropriate for this age group that the kids are going to enjoy, develop skills, and come back. Right, so it's still very focused on competition, you know, travel teams, um, these kind of elite teams that are based on uh, the outcomes, but not necessarily based on the process of developing those skills. Right, it's about selecting the best kids, right, and having them compete against each other as opposed to developing kids over long term, not just to be great at soccer, but to be. Uh, athletic and to enjoy uh, physical activity and to enjoy you know participating in sports yeah so do you believe that well uh, the word development is misconstrued a lot by people I, yeah I think what parents are looking for I think and it gets back to parents just wanting to do the best for their kid right what they think of development is is getting good at that sport you know in a short time frame right developing the skills to be the best kid on the AU team right that's development right it's short-term development I think is what most parents are thinking and what most coaches are trying to offer, right? It's how can we build our skills at a team so that we're the best team on this competitive circuit, whatever sport it is, right? As opposed to, all right, maybe, like you said, these kids are throwing the ball and they're going all over the place, right? So maybe we're not going to be the best team at playing catch with each other, right? But these this team and these kids, we're going to develop them for the long haul so that they can throw in a healthy way, right? And participate in baseball in a way that they're having fun, right? And we'll continue to develop skills over a longer time frame, right? So I think... Yeah, skill development, when I think about it, you know, what a lot of the research has shown is that long-term athletic development, when you follow those type of models, um, 
it generally has the most positive outcomes. Even when you look at where the athletes come from, typically, you know, some of them will specialize early, but a lot of them will also just sample things, you know, and then apply and gradually winnow down to their eventual sport. So I think what parents and coaches, the majority of coaches uh, probably think in terms of development as uh, how can we get better at this sport right now? You know, as opposed to how can we get better at the underlying skills and movements that are gonna allow them to be successful going forward, right? It's more about, um, you know, in the soccer world, it'd be more about how can we score, you know, four goals this game, as opposed to how can we develop these kids to be uh, uh, great soccer players 10 years from now. Yeah. Perfect. So if I am a, because I gotta go out of sport. So I have a kid and they're six years old and I want them to golf. I know nothing about golf. I'm just throwing it out there. Like, how do I go about, because if somebody's coming into baseball or, you know, mm -hmm. coming into this, like, how, what are you supposed to do? Yeah. Like, if you don't know anything, you don't even know what questions to ask. Yeah. Like, where, a, do you, where do you start? I think that's a million dollar question. You know, I don't think I have a good answer for that. That's what I want to try to figure out is where do parents get their information? How do they decide what to do? Originally, how do they make those decisions about whether to specialize in something? How do the kids make those decisions? Have you said where they're getting their information from? Uh, I don't know. That's what we're trying to set out to find. Yeah, my guess is that it's mostly from um, local coach sources that are you know former athletes. And right? you said like celebrity, celebrity coach. That'd be my I guess. Would, I don't know if that's. I would say it's more peer. Yeah, right. And that's the thing too. It's normally peer. It's normally like, hey. Our kids are doing this. Yeah. Do you want to come play baseball with us? Yeah. yeah that's, that's, that's a huge component of it. It's keeping yeah. up with the Joneses, right? It's like, well, they're doing this. And so am I going to be the parent that has their kid do this weird other, you know, development training thing instead of getting them on this yeah. AU travel team? Yeah. And I'll be the one that's left out, you know, from Johnny's peer group or whatever it is. We got a parent that, that had his son's, he, he told us that his son's a hockey player. I was like, oh, okay. Baseball is just kind of what he does in the son. Whatever, bro. Let's let's help them out. Let's yeah. teach them how to throw better. Yeah, I get it. I, that makes I I agree with you on that. Yeah, so. I think yeah, that's a big part of it too. Is the social peer to peer you know component is I see my peers doing this with their kids. I don't want to see like you know I don't want to do the wrong thing for my kids, so I'll get in this system as well. And that's the way the money plays in too. Is because I've talked with a lot of parents. I've heard this multiple times. People will ask them how much they've spent on sport in the previous year and. It probably it's the first time that they've sat down and calculated it all out and they're all basically like, Oh my god, what have I you know, what are we doing? What right? have I done? Right. Yeah. yeah. But then when they say they're like, Well, you know, the thing is I pay this a little bit at a time, right? We pay for this and this and this. And so if I knew how much going into it, all the parents I talk to, there's this underlying theme of yes, we all know that this is crazy, what's going on, but we can't get out of it. We're like on this this rapids heading towards a waterfall and we don't know how to get out of the system or do something different, right? Yeah. And so, yes, we feel like, yes, we do need to be on this 8U travel team because if we're not on the 8U travel team, we're not going to be on the 9U, the 10U, the 11U, and my kid's not going to get a chance to play uh, high school soccer, which is what they want to do, or college soccer, whatever it might be, right? And so they're going to shell out the money to keep doing this and keep doing it, uh, with, and they understand on a emotional level or on a... Um, intellectual level they yeah this is kind of crazy and out of hand and different than my sport experience when I was a kid but on an emotional level they feel like I can't I don't want to let my kid down I want to do what's best for them and this is what everybody else is doing so how do you buck out of that trend when the you know youth sports system in America right now is set up as kind of this very competitive um, from an early age system how do you get it's out of that business. yes right it's a huge yeah, business exactly. 15 billion dollars yeah wow. in youth sports so it's just <laughs> like it's a huge money maker that's right. ridiculous yeah I've never heard that ever. <laughs> well, and that's 
like we go back to that. I think that's why we're trying to do it differently. Yeah. You know, both of our experiences were drastically different, but also very similar. There are a lot of times that I say something or he says something and I'm like, yeah, that's why I remember that too. And, and right. Well, like, let me ask you that then. How do you convince parents? Because it's interesting for me. How do you convince parents to do something different as opposed to joining the AU elite select premier squad? We, we just talk, we, we talk to them. I just explain my, you know, my, I think my injury, I, I don't think I know anything at all about the body or the arm if I don't break my arm because I just didn't get information that I like I literally had doctors that were telling me the wrong thing and I had physical therapists in the family and people that were describing the feelings of like Tommy John and they were like yeah normally when you Tommy John uh, it swells up for like three or four days this is the ligament just like your ankle would and then you lose mobility get super stiff right well I break it there's a snap and then the next day there's no swelling and I can still move it, but it's kind of stiff, but it feels different. Like on the bottom side, they're saying it should be on the inside. And I'm like, that doesn't even make sense. Like it just didn't process to me. So yeah. me sharing my experience and with, with that, and then we have a couple of drills or techniques and stuff that we can prove things to people based on like- Well, it's like on we, we, we're trying to get them to be like skeptical, like yeah. be aware of what you're listening to. And then like the biggest buy-in is just going, so the, like educating them on what we know, but then also like, we get kids better. So that's the easiest, the most obvious yeah. one is like. But, but we, we'd also do a good job presenting evidence of other big league guys like Justin Verlander, like all these well, yeah, people. Yeah, but who we, are how do we sell them? Like we have to have, we have to have, we have to show them that we're good. And that's the thing. So there has to be an establishment of like that we can develop people. And so what other people rely on is do I win? Yeah. And so like we're convincing people when we, the people that we have gotten better, they'll talk about us all day long. And sometimes like, for no good reason, literally, right? And and so like that that is it because our college players know right away, yeah. right? So it is it is a harder thing because well, I it? want it to be because I know things. I want it to be because we have been doing this forever, right? Yeah, I was just describing the process. Yeah. Like, right. We, through, like, we combine all of know? these things of like look at this big old area that okay here's John he's throwing here's here's four guys you know we have a kid that was a catcher in high school and threw four high school innings and went from 80 to 93 in a matter of eight months. Yeah. And his arm feels great. And he not only does his arm feel great, he knows what he's doing. Like right. that's And that's hard to do in eight months with a kid. But he was like, that was his goal. His yeah. goal was like, I want to play college baseball. I didn't get recruited. I'm going to take my own gap here. I'm young and kind of small anyway. Let's see what happens. Right. And he bet on himself. And, and he put himself in the best position. Yeah. All I'm saying is you need to have, right, you're showing some sort of outcome, right? Of what you can Yeah, because all I'm saying is like, right. it took me it took me three, four months to like really buy into what John was saying. Yeah. Like I had to cross-reference a lot of what he said. Yeah. You know, I wasn't just going to listen to him. And like, maybe some people just like believe you, but like that shouldn't be why. What you say is not always the reason why we are having success, and I'm just I'm just saying like this is the thing all the time, right? right. This is all the time. This is everybody. Yeah. Well, right. yeah. I mean, it's a tough thing, right? Because what you have to do is it's going to be a certain segment of parents that are already you know skeptical and willing to listen to evidence and listen to and look at different outcomes, right? As opposed to just the winning component, right? What some surveys I've done of parents have shown is that they really believe that specializing in a single sport from an early age and doing just that sport is the best route for skill development. That's the what overwhelming amount of parents believe, right? And so you have to kind of, there's gonna be a lot of parents that, since so many parents hold that belief, they're gonna to tend towards getting their kids into competition as early as possible, right? And so you have to show them outcomes, show them evidence, whatever that is, to try to change their mind. But if that's the prevailing belief among you sport parents across sports, 
it's tough to try to swim against that and say, we can do athletic development in a different way, right? We can do this in a way that's not necessarily... Don't play a game for two years, right? and I bet your kid will be the best player on his team when he comes back. And that's a hard sell, right? Parents, yeah. when the entire other system that they look at is all based around playing games, right? Yeah. Competing from an early age, how do you get them to buy into that? That's, that's super interesting, that's right? Exactly, that's exactly what we're... But we're just... It's not happening quite yet. Yeah, it's not, but we do have a couple of them that are doing it. You right. Know, like, we got a, like I said, we have another 15 year old who's been with me for two years and he's a catcher. Well, and Jake like, Sargent. That's, well, yeah, well, no, 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 I'm talking about. I know, James. I'm saying, like, it, yeah. everybody knows about Jake Sargent. We had yeah. a kid take his own gap year after high school, so didn't play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Was, but the other guy is a 15 year old, right? And then and the, he's always been on the top end, and his dad's like, he just asked me straight up one day when, because he just happened to be in a velo class that I was doing before, before where I'm at now. And he was like, he's a military guy and he looks at it differently and he goes, the five skills that everybody talks about in baseball, you know, mm -hmm. running, throwing, hitting, yeah. power, you know, and catching, right? How important are those? And I was like, well, you can't catch, you can't play the field, you can't throw, you can't play the field, you can't hit, you're not in the lineup. Right. You can't run, you're out, right? And I said, so if it were me and I'm developing a kid, I'm gonna teach him the game by we're gonna watch the game. We're gonna watch it, he's gonna play it every once in a while, and then I'm just gonna make him the strongest, the fastest, the most coordinated, the best arm, and the guy who can hit the ball the best. Right. And you just don't need to play games to do that, it's just not efficient. And yeah. for me, it turns into a math problem, right? We have these kids playing three games in a weekend, uh, especially younger kids. They'll get three at-bats and three games, that's nine at-bats. If you were to take that exact same thing and to put it into a simulation where like that took th two days to get nine at-bats, right. why don't we just get nine at-bats in an hour? Yeah, right. And just increase right. the frequency Absolutely. The and then create the competition completely separate to what the game is. Yeah. And now we're skill developing at an astronomical rate yeah. because you're facing someone who's now in a wiffle ball situation where I'm going to strike you out. That's right. what's going to happen. And if I don't and you hit a bomb, awesome. Yeah. Right? And now it's fun again right. because you're competing against another person. Yeah. I'm playing one-on-one -on -one basketball with you. Right. And you and I are the only ones. But then like relays and cuts, bro. <laughs> Once again, if you can't throw, right, and you right. can't catch, and, and then the whole it point is, and this is what I always tell people about the bunting thing. I can teach every fifteen-year-old in America how to bunt. Mm -hmm. Like I can't teach them all the other things. So like these are the. Th it's not that hard to catch the ball. It's not that hard to like learn how to right. do the cutoffs. It takes a fifteen-year-old two to three weeks to learn most of those skills if I just like wanted to do that, right? right? Three week boot camp, 16 year old, it's like a bar mitzvah, like just like <laughs> every 16 year old, like you're just gonna learn how to catch it now. Yeah. Like, and it would be just fine. Look at uh, Max Kepler for the twins, like didn't play baseball until he was like 17 years old. Lorenzo Cain, not yeah. until he was a junior in yeah. high school, yeah. didn't play organized yep. baseball. Like, I'm from that area, so yeah. I know exactly, I played against him. Develop those skills, right? Yeah. I love that. Identify the underlying skills, develop those skills. By the way, he was an absolute monster up until high school, by the way. Like he was he was he smoked baseballs and he pitched, so he played. Yeah. Like he played he baseball. Play organized. No, he played travel ball. Like that's kind of the thing in there. Lorenzo came? But he played little league and a little bit of travel ball and then went to football. That's what happened. And then oh, he got gotcha. hurt. He got hurt and then he just started playing baseball again at like junior um, year. That's I have to say yeah. I saw that on the Petco Park scoreboard. So I, whoever threw that fact out on the scoreboard. But if you look at it, you look at the organized, school, organized, organized, school, organized school sports. Yeah. Like they, Florida's different, man. I'm yeah. from the area. Like 
we, you play football, you play, and it's back to your point earlier, when I said, you play football, you play basketball, and you play baseball. Well, if you didn't take any time off for your first six months of your thing, and then you go to baseball, of course you're going to have an arm injury. Because right. you got no legs, because yeah. you haven't built them up. You're on the football field, running around, getting concussions, right. and you're on the basketball field, right. <laughs> running back and forth, getting dunked on. Right? Post practice, got another concussion. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so running your butt. Yeah, yeah. Either way, either way. Yeah. It doesn't. I love Lorenzo. Though. Yeah. I saw him hit baseballs very, very far against our team. He better win the Gold Glove this year. It's the only thing I'm holding on to. It. Brewers fan. Yeah. Very disappointing. I remember our coach like saying that. Right. Our coach was like, "This guy started playing junior in high school, and then he hit a ball with a scoreboard at TCC." And I was like, "I don't think it matters." <laughs> like, he hit it really far. Yeah, like, but that's you know, it gets back to like what parents believe is necessary versus what's actually necessary, right? There's a lot of routes to becoming a lead at a sport, right? It's not just one pathway that works, right? Yeah. There's multiple pathways uh, that end up allowing you to be successful at, at a high level. And so what can we do to encourage the pathways that are going to be the best for their enjoyment, the best for their physical health, and the, the best for their physical skill development, right? Wait, say that again. What are the three? So the enjoyment, enjoyment, enjoyment. Their physical health, physical health, right, and then physical skill development, physical right. Skill be able to develop their skills. So skill development, health, yeah, and enjoyment is number one, right. Have fun, feel good, throw hard. Yeah, that's the thing. There it is. Right, and that's what yeah. And if everybody takes that approach, I think you know, youth sports would be a little bit different. But it's swimming against the current, right? Because parents want to. They want, Play. they want they to want prove something. Compete. That's what it is. Yes. They want the trophy. They want the ring. They want yeah. the t-shirt, the hat, whatever right. it is, right? There has right. to be some form of... And now what you've got is all these companies, like in the Midwest there, you know, if you've been to Wisconsin Dells, I don't know if you've... But, you know, they now have built all these indoor domes where year-round they're hosting indoor volleyball, you know, wrestling, baseball, basketball, all these different indoor tournaments that now, who cares if Wisconsin's cold in the wintertime? We can do this year-round. Charge kids, you know, charge family 50 bucks a pop, come on in. We've it's, got our own concession stand, we've got our own merchandise, we can, yeah. you know, rake in the money. It's actually things. really dumb that it's not more common. Yeah. Seriously. Like the people, in, the, so people in, money, yeah. the people in the Twin Cities that are not doing it, I'm just like, you guys have yeah. no idea. It's a huge money maker. Yeah, in Mankato, they're building one of these right on campus. Yes. Right? It should, and it's going to be should. run through the university so that they can, you know, bring them in through their. Um, campus rec department, but host these tur these youth tournaments. They should be everywhere, but but you know, and hopefully the right people are in control of it and managing. <laughs> it's such it, a money maker, you know. It's like, yeah. What is the incentive? That's where I get frustrated. Is that you have a lot of sports medicine people that are like, we just need to get this information out. You know, that specialization, this high volume stuff is bad for your health. That's not going to do anything, right? The incentive for these club organizations uh, that build these indoor facilities is to make as much money as possible. It's a business, right? Yeah. I can't fault them for that right they want to make as much money as possible how do you do that we get as many teams in here as possible over the entire 12 months right well how do we do that we need to have club leagues that are going to have teams that are playing in it's each math. of these seasons it's right business math. right it's just fill up our courts every weekend yeah, right yeah. And so you know nobody is trying to address what the financial incentives are for the club teams for the uh, organizations that host the events and that's such a, a huge driver because your parent and your kid gets one out of these their best friends are on the team well, why am I not going and doing this when my friends are doing it and I want to do this? Yeah. Yep, there it is. People are super skeptical, too. Because... Well, now we got their best friends coming to train with us. Yeah. They understand it's fun. Yeah. That's what we're, yeah. you know, we, we do full teams. Like, we have full teams that come in and train, and they love it. They, yeah. And we try to make it fun, and then we create pressure situations with, like, okay, he threw a strike here. If you don't throw a strike, you lose. And they're like, no. You know, yeah. and they just panic. But I think the more we can make them comfortable in those panic, anxiety situations, like, you're just going to get out in 60,000 in Yankee Stadium and just, oh, yeah, it's no big deal. <laughs> right. I remember at eight, you know, I was getting yelled at, and the music was really loud, and I had to throw a strike, and I did. Yeah, you know, so. right. It's environment, right? Yeah. Environment. Do we, I think we have to go.
Yeah, 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 another group coming okay. in. So we got to wrap it up yeah. here. So appreciate it, guys. Um, Eric, thank you very much. That was awesome. Unbelievable. We got to do this again. Yeah, definitely. We'll set up. Uh, um, we just figured out like how to multicast, so we're gonna try to do a round table with some stuff. I'm pretty excited about it. So like, I've been trying to do it for years, and like, finally, I just jumped over to Mac, and of course, it's like so much easier with everything. So follow us on all the things. So yeah, things. rate, review, subscribe. Check us out. This will be on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. It'll be everywhere. So uh, we'll get your Twitter and everything. Tag you. Put Don't it have there. one. So it'll be cool. easy. Yeah, there you go. Eric posts. Yeah. yeah. Thank we'll you very much. Yeah. So, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thank you.